0: Hey everybody, it's Jimmy Smith. On today's Unlocking the Cage podcast, we'll discuss who is the real champ at 135 pounds, a talented division, but who's number one. I'll also react to a real tragedy, a VKFC fighter dying after being paralyzed in the ring. What will that do to the sport? The 135 pound division. That's right. It's incredibly talented. It is stacked, it's exciting, it's for a cha- full of champions and former champions, and that's one of the things that's kind of confusing. It feels like everybody in the top four right now, in, in, you know, including the champ, Aljamain Sterling, has a claim to the title, and they have something that the fans feel disqualifies them from being champion. Rarely do you get that situation. Rarely is there something where everybody at the top there's something good. There's something bad. Nobody disputes Kamaru Usman uh, is number one at 170. Nobody disputes that, you know, obviously that that, that Israel Asani isn't n- number one at 185. We have issues at 45, right? A lot of people thought Volkanovsky lost his second fight to Holloway. We have issues at 55. Charles Oliveira did not fight Dustin Poirier. We have issues at light heavyweight because Jan Blachowicz is champ, but Jon Jones vacated the title. So there are issues everywhere except Francis so, when I look at Bantamweight, the champ is Aldermain Sterling. Number one contender right now in the ranking is Peter Yawn. Number two is TJ Dillashaw. Number four is Corey Sandhagen. That's your top four. Now, I'm going to break this down the way I do. Each one has an issue. Each one has a claim. What might that be? Aldermain Sterling. His claim is, I literally have the lineal title. I beat the man who beat the man who beat the man. Okay, I have the lineal championships. It's not interim. I won the title. And as they say, possession is nine-tenths of the law. But what's the problem? He won it on a disqualification, which sucks in its own right. Nobody wants to win on disqualification. But what makes it even worse is is the fact that he was getting his ass handed to him before the disqualification. Oh, Kelly thinks that's funny. But it's true. And he will admit that. I would say it to his face. Right when he got in need, he was getting tuned up. And I had picked Alderman Sterling to win that fight, and I was sitting there going, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Kelly's going to have another thing to make fun of me on Monday about. This is going to suck. And what happens? It got turned around. Boom. And my pick worked out. But that's the difficulty. Uh, yeah, she, uh, Kelly still did give me a hard time. She reminded me. Yeah, she did. But here's the deal. He got the belt on a DQ in a fight that he was losing. Period. End of sentence. Big Aljo fan. I like him a lot. He was losing and got a win by disqualification. Right, so that is what counts against him, and this recency bias, which is always a thing in MMA, we we care about what you did uh, last time out. Nothing before that matters. Fans are just all over him. I don't remember the last time I saw a champion uh, as unpopular as Aljamain Sterling. I, I don't recall. Caleb, can you think of one? A champ that that got the crap of Aljamain Sterling?
1: It's tough. Who? There, there's got there's got to be another one, but. But nobody's coming to mind right now, right? It was funny. I felt like the funny thing was Jan was getting it a bit before. The a
0: whole bit, project. but not like this. And at the end of the day, the criticism wasn't him. It was basically that, that the UFC gave him an easy path to the title, which is a fair criticism. But Jan was saying, I didn't make my own matches. Get mad at the UFC, you don't like it. Okay? So this seems much more personally directed at Aljamain Sterling because of the loss that you know he was, that, that, that won him the title, of course, the, the disqualification, and the fact that his neck just hasn't healed yet, and he had to back out of this fight, which I understand completely, but fans still all over him. Uh, so that's the positive and the negative for Aljamain Sterling. So who's our number one? Our number one is Peter Yan. The guy who lost the belt to Aldermaine Sterling on on a disqualification. What's his claim to the title? In the last title match, I was winning. From his point of view, and unfortunately a lot of fans' points of views, I was winning. Aldermaine Sterling took the easy way out. He's a punk. That belt means nothing. I'm still the real champion. So he has that claim. But the issue is, to me, number one, you technically lost. You're the one who threw an illegal knee and cost yourself the belt. This is really your fault, if you think about it. Okay, I like Peter Yan as a fighter. I think he's excellent. He might be the number one guy at 135. We'll have to see. But when I look at the fight itself, it was your illegal knee that got us in this mess. Can't really do anything about that. Your illegal knee is the reason we are in the position we are in. So, blaming anyone but yourself, I, I get what you're saying. Okay, but you know how I see it. Also, his path to the title was, considering the depth of the division, incredibly easy. He beat Jose Aldo to win the title. He had beat Uriah Faber, who is my age-ish, right? Okay, so he beat a guy who's way over the hill. And then um, he's the champ. All right, Jimmy Rivera is tough. Yeah, John Dodson's tough, okay? Okay. But considering how good the guys in the top five were, and he didn't have to fight any of those guys, I, I understand completely the criticism. When I look at the top right now, Aljamain Sterling, Peter Yan, TJ Dillashaw, Corey Sanhagen, Rob Font, he didn't fight any of those guys on his way to the belt. TJ Dillashaw, Corey Sanhagen, Aljamain Sterling, nope. Rob Font, nope. Number six, Rob Valishvili, nope. Number seven, Cody Garbrandt, nope. He beat right now, as we're looking at it, he beat the number five guy, Jose Aldo. I don't think Jose Aldo should be at number five, but hey, right? He's still good. He's not great. I really do believe that. And uh, he beat a guy in Jimmy Rivera who is no longer ranked. He also beat, uh, obviously, Uriah Faber who doesn't even fight anymore. So that's the criticism is number one, you did lose to Aljamain Sterling, technically. And number two, your road to the title was a primrose path, considering who else was in that division. Right, so let's move down. TJ Dillashaw, his claim to the belt is, I never lost it in the octagon. Period. End of sentence. I didn't lose the belt. I was the lineal champion, and I got stripped of the title. I was the man who beat the man who beat the man. T.J. Dillashaw is the last guy to be the undisputed lineal champion where fans didn't have anything to say about it. Kelly, is that fair? The last last champion that people weren't bitching about was T.J. Dillashaw. Yeah, I mean, do you think I'm going to argue with you about that? I'm priming you up. I'm getting you in a good mood before I talk about why he's not champion. Okay, (laughs) why is he not champion? He cheated! He cheated! He got caught using EPO, which is injectable. He admitted taking it. Uh, He was accused of doping before by Cody Garbrandt and other people. And this seems like a validation of those accusations. If you believe that the one time he got caught was the one time he cheated, you're asking a lot of the MMA fan base. You're asking a lot. It's hard to say the one time he got caught was also the one time he cheated. Usually people get caught doing something, have done it a while, and finally get caught. So, T.J. Dillashaw, to me, has two strikes against him. Number one, he lost the title by being stripped and cheating. Number two it casts a lot of doubt on when he won the title. Because leading into that fight, Cody Garbrandt was calling him a doper and a cheater. So a lot of people see his wins over Cody Garbrandt as questionable. And then there's a bit of an asterisk there. You happen to get caught right after everybody said you had been doping for a long time, and you want us to believe this is the first time? I'm not saying it isn't. I don't know. I didn't watch him shoot up the EPO. Okay. But nine times out of ten, when you catch somebody doing something, when someone gets caught robbing a bank, it's not the first time they robbed a bank. It's the first time they got caught robbing a bank. Kelly, that's the negative. What do you say to that?
1: Like, I wish you would lower your voice. But <laughs> I refuse to acknowledge what you are saying, first off. Sam. No, but
0: it's accurate, of course. Thank you. I'm, I'm glad you're mature enough to, to to see that. Now, he comes back after two-year layoff, and regardless of whether, whether or not you – believe he defeated Corey sandhagen he looked good he looked good and they are all over him right now he cannot do anything and he looked comparatively good so i, I think that did quiet some of the doubters certainly put him back on a good footing even if the, the, the decision had gone the other way which i thought it should have i still would have said man he looked good he looked championship level he looked like a guy who can compete for a title and he's got to be clean Because I'm sure they are testing him three times a day. So that's T.J. Dillashaw's positive and negative. Number three, Corey Sandhagen. He is a guy I thought beat T.J. Dillashaw. A lot of people thought he beat T.J. Dillashaw, whether you argue about it or not. Um, I thought he beat Dillashaw. Therefore, he beat the guy who came back who was the lineal champion. So Sandhagen can say if T.J. Dillashaw was the last champion I beat that guy. I beat him. I beat him in every statistical category. So it should be me. I beat Marlon Moraes. I beat Frankie Edgar. And then against TJ Dillashaw, I won that one too. Now, the strike against him, he didn't. Decision went the other way, whether you like it or not. Oh, and Kelly is just, she's all smiles right now because TJ did win. TJ Dillashaw won that fight. So Cody uh, Corey Sandhagen. Despite him saying, I thought I won, well, you didn't. And he is—he has never been in a championship fight at 135. All Jermaine Sterling has, Peter Jan has, TJ Dillashaw has, Corey sandhagen among all those fighters, only who hasn't been in a title fight and hasn't won a title fight. The only one is Corey Sanhagen. But his claim would be, I beat the man who beat the man who beat the man. Now, the interim title is on the line between Peter Jan and Corey Sandig. That is the next fight for the interim title. TJ Dillashaw can't be in it because of a knee injury. Um, Also, um, uh, TJ Dillashaw isn't in it because of a knee injury. And obviously, Aljamain Sterling, because of a neck injury, isn't in it either. I gotta bring it up, it's true, Henry Cejudo, he would have some claim, should he come back to being number one at 135? I don't think so. He walked away, and he walked away a long time ago. Remember that, it's two years ago. I wouldn't right now, he wouldn't make my list at the top of 135, not because he didn't legitimately win the title, he did. Not because he wasn't good, he legitimately was. Two years off, I'm not gonna assume you could walk back in there and beat the number one guy in the division. I don't think he beats Volkanovski, by the way. I know that's what he's looking for, and we'll discuss that later on in the show. Uh, But, you know, he he, he did beat the lineal champion. He was the champ at flyweight, never lost the belt. Um, You know, he, he certainly deserves consideration should he come back. He has no fight booked. I don't consider retired people number one. I don't. When I talk about 155 right now, I don't talk about Khabib. Dude's retired. All right, I don't consider him the number one guy. Same thing with Sudo. If he had retired a few months ago and was talking about coming back, I'd still go. Okay, he could still be number one. Two years off, I'm not buying it. You got to come back and show me you're still on that level. Kob, you're my rudder. Is that a fair criticism? He's been off two years. I don't believe you come back in here and just, hey, I'm still number one. Okay, you got to prove it.
1: Well, yeah, I, I think yeah. that's fair. But like when we're talking about like who do you see as the real champion of this division? I feel like you have to throw Sehudo's name in there because yes, he did beat the Lineal Champion. Yes, it wasn't at Bantamweight. it was at Flyweight. Yep, yep. But he beat him. Then he went up and beat the number one contender at, at right. Band and Weight in Marlon Moraes. did And beat the, the all-time great. Yeah, and beat Dominant the all-time great. Time. Yep. So it's like he never lost the belt either. He retired. Do you still see him as champion? Now I'm with you. I don't. Too he too retired. Long yeah, yeah, he yeah. retired, and that's the way it goes. But with that same thing in mind. For me, I think Dillashaw is the more compelling case. Because if Dillashaw had never came sure. back, I, I would have said, okay, I can absolutely respect either Jan or Aljo as champ, depending on who has the belt. But with TJ still out there now and back and fighting, yes, he's out because of he, he hurt his knee. But with him back, I never good. lost the belt. Looking good, never yeah. lost the belt. I, I still kind of lean Dillashaw.
0: If Cejudo came back and beat, for argument's sake, Mourab Dvalishvili. Okay, let's say they put him his Dvalishvili and he looked good. I go, Man. He could be number one at 135. I, I would give it right back to him. It's like your props to me are on hold. right? Your props are on hold. Like I gave you your props when you were fighting. I didn't believe you'd be as good as you would. You were. I really appreciate what he did at 135. So who do I see right now as the legit champ? I see it as all Joe until he loses. Despite the criticisms, despite everything, it was Peter Jan who threw an illegal knee. He has the lineal title. He has the real strap. To me, he is still the champ. He's still number one until he loses it. We're dealing with a, a, a very sensitive subject here, a very tragic incident here, and I will try to give it the gravity it deserves. But I have to have a frank conversation about uh, this event, about bare knuckle in general, about the fallout from this. So the deal is, what we we the, the the tragedy here is, I'm looking at MMAfighting.com, BKFC fighter. Uh, Justin Thornton dies after suffering a knockout loss at BKFC 20. What had happened, if you saw the fight, uh, Justin Thornton was in a bare-knuckle match in Mississippi, knocked out very, very quickly. Uh, It was about 20 seconds, if I remember, uh, against uh, Dylan Kleckler. Face down, boom, out. Suffered a spinal injury, was paralyzed, uh, at least partially. Partially. He was 38 years old, died of pneumonia. That is very common, by the way, pneumonia when fighting off, which he was, a spinal injury and an infection. Uh, you can't move. Uh, there's, lungs don't work great. A lot of times you're intubated. That can lead to a lot of infections. You're not breathing on your own, et cetera, et cetera. Et cetera. So, it's, so it's a common um, difficulty right, with, with people who have suffered at least partial paralysis. So he dies of pneumonia. <laughs> Because of this injury. Let's let, let's make no mistake here. And which sucks. And difficult for his family. Once again, 38 years old. Old for fighting, but too young to die. Let's put it that way. The reaction here from the Association of Boxing Commissions. L- let me give a little background here. Each state has its own commission. Each state is more or less stringent than another state. This is well known in the MMA community. It's well known in the boxing community. It's well known in the combat sports community, period. That certain commissions are much more strict than other commissions. He died after a fight in Mississippi. Mississippi is not known as a stringent commission. They just don't ask everything that New Jersey, New York, Nevada, California will ask. And those are really the big four. When you ask for a big fight, and you know you're going to have to go, if you're over a certain age, you're going to MRI, you need a lot of stuff, it's California, Nevada, New York, and New Jersey are very, very stringent. Everybody knows that. Why? They are big fight states. They deal with a lot of boxing, a lot of combat sports. They don't want someone's blood on their hands. They don't want a big fighter having a problem under their banner. Everyone knows it costs more to do a fight there. But when you have a fight there, you know damn well that your fighters, whoever they might be, are going to be safe. That's the trade off. So, other commissions, and I'm sorry to say Mississippi is one of them, and, and people, I, I've. I've Listen to these conversations a million times backstage about what certain commissions require and other ones don't. And they're radically different. So that's the the a background thing you have to know about this. So uh, the ABC, the Association of Boxing Commissions, issued a statement. And this is a criticism I have had of Bare Knuckle before. It's not that I feel the, 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 the style is more dangerous than any other style. I really don't believe that. What I do believe is they tend to use athletes that are over the hill. They tend to use guys who have washed out of every other promotion. Chris Lieben was signed by Bellator. They discovered a heart condition, and they canceled his contract. Now he's fighting in bare knuckle, or was. I believe He retired. Although, you know, grain of salt with the retirement. That should tell you something. Bellator wouldn't take him. They were worried about his health. And then Bare Knuckle does take him. Now, that's somewhat, you know, circumstantial, a little bit anecdotal. But I got to say, when you're taking guys like Joe Diesel Riggs, who's been everywhere... And been knocked out quite a few times in various promotions. I remember him getting knocked out by Brian Baker in, in Bellator, for example. And he shows up in bare knuckle. It just seems like it's the last branch that fighters hit falling out of the, the the combat sports tree. And so that's what bothers me. Not the style itself, but you're using guys who are like, well, I can still make a buck in bare knuckle. And the more times you roll the dice with something like this, the more likely it is something's going to happen. That's essentially what the ABC said. So here's the deal. They issued a statement to MMA Junkie, which is the website I'm reading on now, Which condone what it sees, and I'm quoting from the article, which condone what it sees as common malpractices culturally embedded in the rising sport of bare-knuckle boxing. Among the perceived issues are the age and skill demographic of fighters commonly involved in American bare-knuckle events, as well as booking fighters returning from long periods of activity. This is a quote from the report itself. Therefore, the Association of Boxing Commission's medical committee is especially concerned that athletes competing in uh, bare-knuckle boxing, and it doesn't mention a particular promotion, may be at a higher risk for acute and chronic injuries due to these and other factors. Now, this article lists Thornton at 36. The previous article listed him at 38. I'd like to know which is accurate. Um... KOB, can you look that up for me if you get a chance? Just while, while I'm going, was he 36 or 38? Not a huge difference, but a slight difference, okay? Um, and this is also from the ABC. Disturbingly, and despite our recommendations, some jurisdictions regulating these offenses are still not following the minimum medical guidelines set forth by the Association of Boxing Commissions and Combative Sports and the Association of Ringside Physicians. More concerning is the fact that many commissions still do not require any imaging studies, CAT scan or MRI scan, in a sport where individuals are at risk for acute and chronic head injuries. This is 100% true. One, In my experience, which I'm not in fighter operations, comparatively limited, certain states just don't require those things. And others do. All right, Thornton was uh, 38 years old, so that's that's a typo in in this article. So a 38-year-old guy who had had quite a few MMA fights, basically a local guy, should have a – in California, uh, Nevada, New York, New Jersey, he's going to have a lot of tests, okay? Other states, he's not. And so that's what this article says. The ABC is saying, look, if you go to Mississippi – If you go to Louisiana, we all know they're not going to be as strict. Florida's just not going to be as strict as other commission states. might be cheaper, but they're not going to require all this stuff. And promoters don't want their fighters getting flagged and something happening. And there's a reason why you always see certain fighters in certain states. There's a reason for that. They can't make it elsewhere. Not outing any particular fighter, but it's true. So... Um, I don't believe that it's necessarily the style as much as the fighter they are using. I'm going back to the report. Every state and tribal commission needs to address safety and the process to how they do it. The ABC is not here to tell you how to do it. Um, this is from Mike Mazuli, by the way. Uh, who I've worked with in New Jersey, Connecticut, that that, that side of the country. We're here to help you do it, but this situation has been disappointing. These guys are recycling these MMA fighters that shouldn't be fighting anymore. They will not pass tests to be an MMA fighter, so they go to bare-knuckle boxing. This is a fine example of what is wrong with bare-knuckle boxing and what they're doing to these fighters. It bothers me. We talk about fighter safety and protecting the fighter at all costs. This has to stop. That is ABC president Mike Mazula. The dude is a stickler. Okay, he can be. He can be, uh, how I, I like Mike Alaba. He's a guy. He follows the rules, man. And so he's the kind of guy to to say something like this. Hey, this has to stop right now. Given the limited data regarding the medical risks of bare knuckle boxing, the ABC medical committee empl- uh, committee implores commissions who are considering licensing these events to proceed with caution. Furthermore, we encourage those jurisdictions who are still deficient in these minimum, I want to point that out, minimum, medical recommendations and guidelines to immediately update and revise the requirements to include a CAT scan, MRI scan, or neurological clearance performed by a board-certified neurologist prior to clearing a fighter to compete. This is a criticism, if if you've listened to me talk about bare-knuckle before, this is a criticism I have had. Once again, not with the style. I'm not getting on my high horse about how it's, oh, it's so much more dangerous than MMA. Okay, what I'm saying is the, the 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 well of fighters they draw upon is often older. They often have a lot more fights. They often have a lot more losses. They often have a lot, have a lot of inactivity. That's the magic four. Age, fights. Losses in activity. Usually losses by knockout, but, you know, a uh, five-round decision where you get beat up ain't good for you either. And it seems like so many fighters in bare-knuckle check off all four of those boxes. And that's what concerns me. How does bare-knuckle move forward? That's a tough one. So we have Dana White from the Dana White's uh, Contender Series post-fight press conference about... This death in BKFC, this is what he had to say.
2: Well, let me start here. First of all, is anybody shocked? I mean, in in bare-knuckle fighting, you know, I'm not a big fan. And, and, you know, I, I get, I guess I would call it concern when I see some of our people when they leave here and go there. And it's like, oh, my God. But when you look at this, we have we, been we've been putting on fights for twenty five years. I've done like um over seven thousand fights with no serious injuries in the UFC.
0: Well define serious, but I get what he's saying. You haven't had a death, you haven't had anyone paralyzed, you haven't had anyone in a coma. I right. get what for you're the, saying. For
2: the record he did,
1: Jimmy, he you know he said, you know, we've had broken bones and stuff okay, like that. Here. that. Okay, he did say cool yeah.
0: cool cool. Right, 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 great, great, great. So yeah, he's true. You well, know, we haven't had anybody paralyzed. We haven't had anybody on life support. We haven't seen anyone going to slip into a coma. Okay, uh, which is great. That's very, very true. Um, now he said why, which is interesting. But I, I would add to this.
2: But this is what Dana White had to say about why. Throughout the last twenty years, we found ten athletes that had life-threatening, you know, medical problems with them and that career-ending, that they shouldn't be fighting. That if they weren't in the UFC, they probably would have fought and they probably would have died. Um, So, listen, this is a rough, and that doesn't include the Cleveland Clinic, which we've been doing for over 10 years now, studying fighters' brains and following up to, to make sure that these guys are safe. There's a lot of shit talk about us. Nobody does even remotely close to what we do in this sport. It's never been done what we do. And nobody ever will. It's, you know. It's just. So when you talk about. What you, we shouldn't even be talked about in the same sentence. As bare knuckle boxing.
0: Yeah. I mean. Here's the deal. You can not like Dana White. For a lot of reasons. He's not stupid. He's a good businessman. Someone. Dying on his watch hurts his product immeasurably. Immeasurably, he takes ownership for that, and the UFC takes ownership of that M- way more than "quote unquote" boxing. However, you want to say it. Well, we've had you know deaths over the years. You're going to have them. You know, over 100 years of boxing, you get them every year. Uh, would take a boxer dying. Okay, Benny the Kid Perret dying on television. Uh, in the '60s, didn't destroy boxing. Took it, did help take it off television, regular television. Duke Kukim dying against Ray Mancini. All right, unfortunate, tragic, terrible. Didn't destroy boxing. Number one, there's so much boxing that people realize it's just going to happen sometimes. And then, but there isn't one central authority for boxing. You can blame it on the state. You can blame it on the commission. You can blame it on all kinds of things. Dana White knows if that happens under his watch, it's all on the UFC. He's not a fool. And there are only a couple times, and I'd say Anderson Silva, BJ Penn, or maybe my prime examples, of somebody who he let go on way too long. He just let them go on too long. And the only difference this might make is he might pull that back a bit. <laughs> I'm not letting somebody get knocked out that many times again or lose that many times again. Unlocking the Cage with Jimmy Smith is part of the Sirius XM Podcast Network. The executive producer is Michael Russo. The associate producer is Kelly Murphy. Sound design by Nuri Balin. Andy King is director of sports podcasting for SiriusXM. Special thanks to SiriusXM's Senior Vice President of Sports Programming and Podcasting, Steve Cohen, and SiriusXM Fight Nation Program Director, Marissa Rivas. SiriusXM
2: Podcasts.